If you are visiting the Iowa State House over the next couple of weeks, you will see this in the rotunda. It's a holiday display put up by the Satanic Temple. KCCI's Bo Bowman went to the State House today to find out more about it. The supporters of this group say if there could be a Christmas tree here in the Capitol, then they can display this put on by the Iowa Satanic Temple. We're going to really relish the opportunity to be represented in a public forum. We don't have a church on every street corner. Lucian Greaves, co-founder of the Satanic Temple, says this satanic display is a symbol for their right of religious freedom. He says if you don't like it, don't look at it. My feeling is, is that if people don't like our displays in public forums, they don't have to engage with them. They don't have to view them. It's a very dark, evil force. Um, and I truly hope people know how to battle that. Shelly Flockhart from Dallas Center says she was shocked to see it at the Capitol. Okay, come on in. Flockhart organized a prayer group on Wednesday around the Christmas tree in the center of the rotunda to oppose the satanic display near the stairwell. She calls it dark and evil and says Christians should spiritually fight against it. One, I hope people realize spiritual warfare is real, that there are evil, satanic um, forces that are trying to infiltrate our state. I'm told the altar here will be on display at the State House for 14 days. At the State House, Bo Bowman, KCCI 8 News, Iowa's News Leader. By the way, huh. the Satanic Temple says it is a federally recognized non-theistic group that uses satanic symbols as a way to convey its message. The temple's website says its work includes publicly confronting hate groups and lobbying for abortion rights. It says it does not believe in the existence of Satan or the supernatural. If you are visiting the Iowa State House over the next couple, I tell you what, uh, I hear if there was if there's one group, one decent group of Christian men in Iowa, uh, that little display would be torn down by tomorrow. I, I'm tired of the the spirit. Oh, we got to fight it spiritually. No, nah, it ought to be torn down ground into powder, and the people that put it there should be made to drink it. Now let's start the show. Merry Christmas, everyone. Oh yeah, turn the thing on. The air purifier. Better watch out. Better not cry. You better look out. I'm telling you why. Christian nationalists are going to start taking back over the country. <laughs> oh, we're sick of it. Sick of it. Is it working? Merry Christmas, podcast listener. Um, how about that, right? What a lovely, lovely way to start the holiday season. This is, uh, I don't think this will be our last show for the year, but it might. Um, and so because I'm not sure, I feel like we need to talk about the, the last year because I didn't feel like this podcast was going to keep on keeping on the way it has for the past two years. Uh, but... 
It really has. I've had a great time doing it. Um, great time talking about the literal demons that are running the nation and the lizards and all that and yucking it up with friends uh, despite the rapid decline of Western civilization. We got closer this year. We uh, we all became better shots, I feel like. Ivan, would you would you agree? I do. I and think I've held that gun more than I ever have any other year. Yeah, and that's all thanks to our friends over at Capstar Shooting, LLC, Hunter and Alexis Star, um, just treasures, both of them. And uh, I feel like we're all a little better dressed because, of course, everybody who listens to the show went and shopped at Ballara Boutique like they were supposed to. Is that right, Ivan? Hopefully, at least a little bit. Yes, we had a great turnout out there at the Christmas on Douglas. Everybody showed up and showed out. Uh, everybody needing to get you some of this fly-ass Lazy J ranch wear apparel. We've got that. Cowboy cool. We got the best hoodies in the in the county. Uh, stop State. by. Stop by. 143 South Douglas. It's a nice little store. We all love it. Um, what else? We, we, we all learned over the last, I would say over the last couple months since we've been doing the preparedness things, I feel like everybody's learned how to be a little better prepared just in general in their lives, not just, you know, doomsday into the world stuff, but, uh, we just learned how to, how to be a little better prepared. Um, it was a, it was a fun year. I, I had a good time. Um, I think. Everybody who came on the show had a good time. Uh, we had a whole bunch of guests this year. Kind of started it out early in the year with uh, with our friends Dylan Hilton and Jacob Bridwell came on. We talked about what it meant to be a man. Um, we had Hunter and Lesky on for the, the old Capstar team. We talked about all kinds of stuff with them. Uh, we had Jennifer and James Scalia. On had that episode with uh, Haley also. That one was a yes. pretty good time, wasn't it? Yes, Haley Hall, um, who is now pregnant. Oh, really? You, did you hear that? Congrats. I think yeah. I did. I Haley's forgot about it. But I, you remember when we had Mike on? Yes, yes. Mike was a great <laughs> guest. But later, Tim, later Tim to find out his name. Yeah, That was a good episode. We talked about football and and what it means to to raise up good boys to to be men kind of the importance of uh the high school football basketball how it can be more than just you know playing sports it actually can teach discipline and accountability to to a group of other men you know that you're working towards with for another cup for a common good or a common goal yeah yeah and we had uh we had kevin on you were you weren't here for that one. Well, though. not here. I was tied up with the uh, with busy. the couch chip uh, yeah. activities, and we had a baby. That's true. That had was a little baby girl, baby. Olivia Rose. Yeah, a lot of stuff has happened this year. Babies, podcast episodes. The community's growing, man. Yeah, it's been fun. Um, and and to all the fans out there who have followed the show, who maybe just started following the show, I'd like to say thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for your time. Um, thanks for your support on the podcast. It really has been a lot of fun this year. Um, the first year I was kind of by myself for most of it, and it wasn't as fun. This year's been a lot more fun because I've got to do it with other people. Um, and it, it's been a great year. It really has. And, uh, you know, I know what y'all are thinking. Um, 
Is it, is it going to keep going? You know, do we really need this podcast? Isn't this, it's kind of just another white millennial dude podcast talking about stuff, smoking cigars, being a little misogynistic sometimes, maybe a little racist every once in a while. Like, aren't there too many podcasts like that already? Can this continue apace? Um, what do, what do we need it for, right? Another angry white guy podcast. Uh, the market's saturated with that. And um, tell me, you're not saying what you're saying. What we I think you're saying is it? I don't know. What do you What do you think? Do we Do we really need this? Are do, we going to trade in all these microphones and and could just go back to work? What do you think? That's a big hell no. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I <laughs> we need this podcast. You you need this podcast. Um, and next year is going to be awesome. It's going to be doubly awesome. In fact, there's going to be two times the awesomeness because there's going to be two times the show. Yeah, there will be two times the show because we're going to bring another one that's going to be a little bit more lighthearted, a little bit more... Uh, secondary show? Yes, Tell a secondary, sh- secondary show called uh, The Neon Highway with Ivan Navarez, where we're going to be featuring... Uh, I've always been good at finding new music that people haven't heard of, uh, and I want to bring that to, to more people, not just uh, my f- close group of friends. And uh, we're going to do that. We're going to have a couple breaks of music while we do... Uh, the podcast and talk about some uh, current events, uh, maybe a little sports talk. I got a couple buddies that want to come on talk sports, and we'll just uh, keep it lighthearted and keep a nice pace for somebody who's on a long drive that uh, just needs something to get you home to the family. So uh, stay tuned for that. The first episode should be released here before the new year, and uh, yeah, uh, for furthermore, you're gonna have to tune in. But we will let you know, and it'll be on Spotify. It will be video, uh, and we hope you guys tune in. So what what you're telling me is not only will people have the Capo podcast, which they know and love, but they'll have a second new podcast called The Neon Highway. With Ivan Navarez. With Ivan Navarez. Yes, that is true. That is facts. And we're going to be uh, hitting the road hard in uh, 2024. We've actually, we've been putting together a business plan. That's how serious we're going to take this thing. We're going to have a merch store also for the Capo podcast where we're going to be releasing merch, probably some caps, maybe some nice hoodies with the Capo uh, branding on there. And also for the Neon Highway, okay? And uh, if anybody's interested in sponsoring or uh, buying up some airtime, we will be selling uh, ad space. And uh, I said once we get that up and running, we will be uh, putting out the contact information to get all that. But I'm telling you guys, this thing's only growing and growing. So if you want your uh, business or whatever it is that you're doing uh, put out there to the world, this is where you want to be. Yeah. I'm excited, man. This is, it's going to be a good year. We're going to be next year's going to be great. 2024, we're going to get faster. We're all going to get stronger. We're all going to get smarter, probably. Um, that's that's what we all hope to accomplish. And we're taking y'all with us. I don't know if you know that. Um, you're, we will drag you kicking and screaming with us down the down this road. So we need you to share the podcast. We need you to to be a contributor. Um, if you're somebody who wants to sell ad space, 
You'll have to talk to Ivan about that. I'm just uh, I'm just the talent, as they say. Um, We've got one already signed up that once we get it up and going, he's ready to go uh, with a yearly subscription to the ad space. So, Dude, and we, awesome. we haven't even really put it out there. So, like I said, 2024 is going to be a year of growth. Uh, we're going to... We're going to hit the ground running on this thing. We've planned a lot of the troubleshooting that we've been trying to figure it out. We bought a location, a whole building to actually set up multiple podcast uh, studios. We're going to have, a, I think here within the next month, we're probably going to have a second set. And we're also going to be hosting podcasts. So if uh, if you got something to say and you want it on audio and video, uh, stop me on the street or hit me up somehow through social media or my contact info and we'll figure something out and uh for a minimal cost you know because all this uh all this equipment believe it or not can get it very pricey money. it yes. costs dollars we're in, we're in the thousands and thousands of dollars of investment here but uh we want to bring it to to the community and we want people to be able to sit down and record high quality video high quality uh audio conversations uh telling stories you know and uh have it saved for you guys on some type of hard drive to be able to pull that up whenever it's needed. So uh, that's what we're doing. We're going to do big things in 2024, and we're excited to share it with you guys, and we're excited to, to work hard and keep after this thing. You heard it, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to win. We're going to keep winning. As Donald Trump would say, you're going to get sick of winning. That's how much we're going to win. All right. Uh, what what are we gonna win? I we're gonna win the battle of ideas. We're gonna win our own sanity. We're gonna we're gonna beat the lizards, y'all, and their their diabolical, clownish propaganda. Um, we will win the hearts and souls of the people, or at least some of the people. You know, the at, at the very least, we'll win the hearts and the minds of of our people. Our little groups of people, our our children, and our and our friends and our families. So uh, yeah, that's what we're gonna do. And tonight we're gonna talk about what else is gonna happen in twenty twenty four. We got There's that gonna big be an election. election, yeah. Which means other things are gonna happen besides the election because I don't know. I feel like probably gonna be another pandemic. Maybe uh, the sun might explode. Uh, I saw that half a third of it was turned to 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 darkness um the other day, just like in revelation uh and then there's another Chinese pandemic going on i'm pretty sure that's that's why we haven't had a show for a couple of weeks that's what I had I'm pretty sure I blame the chinese um but uh yeah there's there's believe it or not supposedly there's gonna be an election, and y'all know that I'm kind of a doubter I'm not even sure it's gonna happen. But there was a debate, uh, what was that, a couple nights ago? Not last night. It's, it's been a few nights. I want to say it was Wednesday night. But uh, it seemed to all who were watching that, the well, not to all, because everybody kind of has their own uh, opinions. If you talk to Ron DeSantis people, they think Ron DeSantis won. If you talk to, you know... If you find the one person who supports Chris Christie, I'm sure that that guy thinks Chris Christie won. Um, but most people who are just kind of observing, as my as I am, uh, seems like Vivek won. Seems like Vivek Ramaswamy, he kind of won. 
And I think he won due in large part to the clip that Ivan's going to play next. Uh, the Nikki Haley one or the... Ah, uh, the fat joke one. The fat joke <laughs> the one? Fat the, one? The one with Chris Christie. Yeah, the Chris Christie one. I feel like this is where Vivek won, maybe, and just because we're in the era of Trump. And okay. I'm telling uh, to, you. To that topic, whenever you were talking about, it depends on who you ask on who won that deal. Uh, you can pretty much just look up every mainsta- mainstream media company, whether it's CNN, even Fox's. Because uh, they all the all of them are pushing uh, Nikki Haley hard now, since everybody's pretty much gave up on Ron. Uh, any mainstream media, yeah, Vivek was the big loser. He just out there being obnoxious, all that crap. You start checking in with some of the, uh, uh, like uh, what's her name, uh, Megan Kelly, that she's got her own podcast now, but she used to be at Fox. I'm sure you it's see, really good, yeah. You right? see all of these podcasters that you know they have credible. Uh, reputation and journalism uh all of them they're they're the only ones giving vivek any credit but yeah here's the clip oh yeah play the play the fact clip hold on i want to say something else we're now 25 minutes into this debate and he has insulted nikki haley's basic intelligence, not her positions, her basic intelligence. She doesn't know regions. She wouldn't be able to find something on a map that his three-year-old could find. Look, if you want to disagree on issues, that's fine. And Nikki and I disagree on some issues. But I'll tell you this, I've known her for 12 years, which is longer than he's even started to vote in a Republican primary. And while we disagree about some issues and we disagree about who should be president of the United States, what we don't disagree on is this is a smart, accomplished woman and you should stop insulting so her. So I'm going to take this. What's the weight rating on that podium, Chris so Christie's? I, I, I don't know. He is. There's danger in there. We learned three things right there. First of all, Chris Christie also doesn't know what provinces in eastern Ukraine he actually wants us to fight for. Chris, your version of foreign policy experience... Was Did you see a DeSantis from New smirk? Jersey to New York. Yeah. So yeah. do everybody a favor. Just walk yourself off that stage, enjoy a nice meal, yeah. and get the hell out of this yeah, race. Let, let when it comes to Nikki, <laughs> I think if you're going to actually send your sons and daughters while, to go die you in somebody else's voting. war, while you, you better, excuse voting. me, Chris, I'm speaking, and I'm not done yet. I you had your chance, time when you and we're going to be done. So listen up to this. Is If these people want to send your sons and daughters to go die in Ukraine, they've been arguing for it for a year. $200 billion of our taxpayer money sent over. Neither of them could even name for you the provinces that they actually want to protect. And this is the people who have been touting their so-called foreign policy experience. It is intellectual fraud. These people are lying to you, the same people who told you about weapons and mass destruction in Iraq to justify that invasion, didn't know the first thing about it, yet they sent thousands of our sons and daughters to go die. The same people who told you the same in Afghanistan, where the Taliban is still in charge 20 years later. Seven trillion of our national debt due to these toxic neocons. You can put lipstick on a Dick Cheney, it is still a fascist neocon. Thank and you, you Mr. Ramaswamy. Thank you, Mr. Ramaswamy. Dick Cheney all over again okay. in this party. Thank you. Thanks so much for watching. <laughs> What'd you think of that? <laughs> oh, I, that... We're we're entering the era of like um everybody who thinks he lost is wrong. Um because everybody who said that Trump lost every debate was obviously wrong. 
I was one of those people. I watched all the those debates way back in the before times in 2016 and saw all the Republican primary debates. And um, to me, watching as a political science uh, guy at the time, because I was still, I was just a couple years out of college, so I was still thinking with my degree, let's say, and I was like, man, Trump sucked in the debates so bad. But what I didn't quite understand at the time, and I kind of understand now, is he he did technically suck in the debates, but that didn't matter because he won them all. And he won them all by giving everybody the finger like Vivek just did to Chris Christie. Because people are, people are over the smiley, um, f- empty word prescripted what's well, po- not it's political not, speech you, bullshit people you, are over it you notice how the, the, all the oohs and the ahs and the cheering after each comment after each diss people want it to be almost like a reality show and whoever has the best disses that's who's gonna get your vote because yeah. the other night whenever uh and i'm not saying that's good don't don't get me wrong i'm not saying but that's, that's good. what that's it is bad. now though the, but the that's thing is, what at, it is at this stage to get in yeah come with some policy but Honestly, the election process yeah. has turned into a show. You better and the come best, to you. The best showman is going to be who winds up standing, you know, up there in that Oval Office. Yep. Just like the other night, whenever uh, DeSantis and Newsom debated, there is no that uh, DeSantis has all the facts, all the facts, all the all the policy, all the wins that he needed to to be able to win that debate. It's pretty much Florida versus California on how we handled COVID. And he did everything magnificent. People are still saying that Newsom won the debate mm-hmm. just because he comes off better. He's He knows how to carry himself better. The way he presents himself has been better than just People Ron. are dumber than they used to be. And Ron is what everybody says. He's gotten... He's, just so straight. He's not a showman, though. No, he's not a showman. But that's to why policy, he's as a governor, he is fantastic, and he'd probably be a great president. He, I just don't know it. But it's in not this time, I don't no. think he's going to be able to get there, no, especially I'm, not this go around. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't think there's any way he wins. And early on in the, you know, years ago, a couple years ago, like I was one of the people who's like, oh man, this guy's obviously running for president, and he's probably going to win. But after seeing how mismanaged, number one, it is partially him, right? Because he's not a showman, he's not a he's not an actor, and that's another thing people don't understand. All the people that are good at this are act- actors. They have a bit of showmanship in them, and they know how to present themselves on a stage in front of screens. And Ron DeSantis doesn't seem like he knows how to do that. And it is a skill, and people kind of discount it as a skill, but it is a skill. Ron DeSantis doesn't have that skill. That being said, a lot of Ron DeSantis's problems are also whoever's running his campaign. Whoever's in charge of it has done the, the worst job of anybody in recent living human memory of running a presidential campaign. It is terrible. It's embarrassingly bad. And it's embarrassingly embarrassingly bad because they are still like the inside the beltway Washington type 
political science major type, uh, all these people who know all the inside baseball, and but they're the the rhinos, man. All the moderate, metropolitan moderate Republicans who have been running all those campaigns since Reagan, you know, who suck. Yeah, and check this out. I've got uh, he went on the PBD podcast and kind of PBD tried to uh, set him up for like a little bit of self-deprecating humor, you know, to kind of, you know, show the world he's human. And, and he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. Check this out. <laughs> Talked about the boots. I've seen. Uh, are you the type of person, like, I have people around me that love to say, hey, Pat, go. you got something between your teeth. These are the annoying people in your life, right? Hey, Pat, pull your zipper up. You know, hey, Pat, do this. The, the, hey, pull one of your socks is lower than the other one. I'm sure your marketing team points out how they're trying to troll you in the marketplace. Okay, I'm sure they're doing that. Can you bring this one clip? I know you were on, uh, 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 what do you call it, on... Uh, uh, what was it? Bill Maher. And Bill Maher talked about the boots. I've seen you walk with these boots. Go ahead and play this clip. This on TikTok went viral. It doesn't have a million views. It doesn't have, you know, 10 million views. This thing's got 1.2 million likes. And and some people are wondering. <laughs> how, what how, are they? I don't even so I haven't what, seen that. What there's, they've not shown this to you. Okay. No. What they're trying to say with this is that in your boots, you have heels. No, no, no. That's yeah, what no, those, to say. those are just standard off the rack um, Lucchese. Um, uh, how, how, how tall are you, Governor? How tall? 5'11. 5'11? Okay. Why don't you wear tennis shoes and dress shoes? Uh, I do wear tennis shoes when I work out. Yeah. 100%. You do? Yep. Okay. I got a gift for you. I'd love for you to wear. Okay. I shop at Ferragamo. Okay. And. I don't accept gifts. I can't accept I, it. I totally get I'm it. I'm sorry. So if you like this clip and you want to watch another one, he's, click right here. And if you want to watch. He's so awkward, man. There's a very easy answer to that. And I'll show you, like, all he has to say is they're cowboy boots, man. You don't know what cowboy boots are? Right. Like, That's he's all like, he you're had all to a say. Bunch of, you're all a bunch of metropolitan pussies. You don't know what cowboy boots are because you all live in the city. That's an easy answer because that's that's the truth. They're just cowboy boots. They're regular kind of older style. Um, cow they look like all the cowboy boots that like my granddad wore, and that like my father in law wears. And they're just regular cowboy boots with with a riding heel. It's all they are. But people who live in the city don't know that man. They're I don't know. They just don't know it. The, the only thing they know about anything Western is what they saw on, I don't know, if they caught an episode of Yellowstone or if they watch uh, the CMA Awards or some shit. Like, they're just cowboy boots. And that's all Ron DeSantis had to say, right? <laughs> hey, just don't be weird. Don't be weird. Don't be weird. <laughs> just there, there's, a, there's an AI. I'm trying to find it right now. But there was a clip that I heard earlier where they're saying, like, Ron, don't be a robot. Run. God damn. Fuck. Quit. Quit being weird. <laughs> I'm trying to find it. Keep talking about it. But let me beep, see if I can. Beep, boop, boop. He's like, he is. He's he's very robotic. Um, he's very polished political speech. He's awkward. You can tell he's awkward, man. He doesn't know how to sit and talk to somebody on a national stage. I'm sure if it was just like you and him sitting there talking across the table, He'd probably be a normal guy, right? But hold on, hold on. Here he goes. You ready? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Are we? There were these huge bins of clothes, and everybody was rifling through them, 
like crazy, and I grabbed one. And it fit. So I don't think that this is totally just a woman's suit. At the very least, it's bisexual. <laughs> Who makes it? Um, mysterious. It's European, okay? It's a European cut. The pants don't have any pockets. No, they don't. See? <laughs> Italians don't wear pockets. Hey, maybe you want to come over and read my closet. No, I don't want to do that because I'm twice your size anyway. Yeah, you look like Hillary Clinton. Um, let's just do this in 15 minutes. Okay, okay, can you stay right there for one second? I gotta send some emails. Negotiate. <laughs> nah, it wasn't <laughs> that one. That was a good one, though. He is kind of like a, he's like an awkward type. He's an awkward guy. And he, and he's, he probably wouldn't be awkward just face to face, but he's awkward because he's standing in front of the nation and he knows he's standing in front of the nation and he understands that every single thing he does is going to be analyzed by everybody and turned back on him to, to try to wreck him. And this is something a lot of normal people don't understand. Like if you're running for president, every single thing you do your opponents are going to use it and try to make just the worst out of you. And there's going to be memes of you and your family's going to get death threats from crazy people. Like, I don't think a lot of people quite understand how much of a burden it is just to be in that world, even just to be like mildly famous not even like famous, just like mildly famous is still like a whole different life. Like everything you do, everything you say is going to be used to turn back and attack you and try to give to the mob to make the mob mad at you. I, I wouldn't want to live that way. Like, sure. I would love for people to tune into the podcast. I'd love for the podcast to grow. But if all of a sudden, like I was in the same shoes as somebody like PBD or or uh, Joe Rogan or somebody like that, I'm not sure I would adjust to it very well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it, like, it changes your life. They're not, they're not normal people the way you are. They can't live that way. Hold on. I think I like, may uh, have found like it. Like Matt Walsh or, or Michael Knowles, those guys have to have 24-hour security. talking about pudding like is that really the best you got okay bring it on but never mind i, I can't find that you're, if you're I doing a bad job of finding this one video it's okay though. no i listened to it on a podcast and i don't know where they got it on um what was the other clip you wanted to show of the debate let's go ahead and play oh, that one so we just whenever on, whenever on he was topic. trashing uh haley yeah nikki haley. here we go not our Haley. Thanks. from the next generation to unite this country not the broken politicians who are puppets of the puppet masters, but the actual people in this country. Thomas Jefferson was 33 when he wrote the Declaration of Independence. I think it's going to take somebody whose best days in life are still ahead to see a country whose best days are ahead of itself. And I think I can reach that next generation better than anybody else in this race. Thank you. Response. Megan. <clears throat> First of all, we weren't bankrupt when I left the UN. We're people of service. My husband is in the military, and I served our country as UN ambassador and governor. It may be bankrupt to him, but she it certainly like wasn't bankrupt plastic. to us. I Secondly, to I did she serve on the board of Boeing. I did a lot of work with Boeing when I was governor. They were a great partner to me. I served for 10 months, and then when they decided 
after COVID that they wanted to go for a corporate the bailout. I've think, never like, supported corporate bailout, so I respectfully stepped back else and, and got off the, the board. Right I now? love Boeing. They build good commercial airplanes. They build airplanes for our Air Force. I am proud of them. They employ a lot of people in South Carolina. But that's why I left the Boeing board. There's nothing to what he's saying. And in terms of these donors that I'll are supporting me, they're just yeah. jealous. They wish that they were supporting them. But I'm not going to sit there and do Thanks so much for watching. Go to join yeah, NN. Back it up just a little bit. Like, just yes, give me I that. Guess. I think we missed part of that. Stage admitting you can come across oh, yeah, as a bit of a know-it-all and rejecting the practice of personal insults. By debate number three, you called Nikki Haley corrupt, accused Ron DeSantis of wearing high heels, and told Ambassador Haley she should keep a closer eye on her daughter. Can you see how this has led some to conclude you are not, in fact, a unifier and to question your authenticity? Megan, I think there's a time and place for everything. We need somebody in the White House who absolutely is going to be a fighter when it counts. And I did say that there were some good people on that stage in that third debate. Doug Burgum was on that stage at that time. And I'll say that jokingly. Ron DeSantis is a good person, too. I want to go back, though, to Nikki Haley's comment from earlier that she is somehow like DeSantis, not responding like to the will two. of these donors. Nikki, you were bankrupt when you left the U.N. After you left the U.N., you became a military contractor. You actually started joining service on the board of Boeing, whose back you scratched for a very long time, and then gave foreign multinational speeches like Hillary Clinton is. And now you're a multimillionaire. That math does not add up. It adds up to the fact that you are corrupt. And when I said they were bought and paid for, I meant the Republican establishment, not the Democratic establishment. Now you have Reid Hoffman, the person who's effectively George Soros Jr., funding lawsuits across this country against Donald Trump to keep him off the ballot, funding left-wing causes. We discovered this week that he is one of Nikki Haley's largest supporters. Larry Fink, the king of the woke industrial complex, the ESG movement, the CEO of BlackRock, the most powerful company in the world, now supporting Nikki Haley. And to say that doesn't affect her is false because it's after that meeting later that day that she says that every American needs to be doxxed by having their ID, their government-issued ID, tied to what they say on the Internet. So I think that this is far more corrupt than I even imagined when I entered politics. But I will say this. It is going to take a leader from the outside, with fresh legs, from the next generation to unite this country. Not the broken politicians who are puppets of the puppet masters, but the actual people in this country. Thomas Jefferson was 33 when he wrote the Declaration of Independence. I think it's going to take somebody whose best days in life are still ahead to see a country whose best days are ahead of itself. And I think I can reach that next generation better than anybody else in this race. Thank you. Response. Megan. Megan, I'm very uncomfortable, and he's good at this. Can you make him stop? (laughs) That's the thing, dude. (laughs) People can't deal with him because he's spitting facts. You know, everything that he says. I see why you like him so much because he's... He's right. He's right up your alley, man. What do you mean, right up my alley? I he's mean, an he's, optimist. Look, he—he's saying the optimistic things. There, the the there nation's best no. days are in front of it. We need somebody who can bring the whole country together. That's you, man. Well, there is—there is, that's, that's there is no other way to be. There is not oh, a say. I don't know. There, where is it? <laughs> what are you going to do? You going to go resettle in Mexico? What other country no, is doing it better? or has done it better, at least has a blueprint or history of, you know, 
of a better model of success for for a nation. I, I hinted at my plan the other day with the Luke episode when he was here when we were talking about Switzerland. Like my plan is just to wait for it to collapse and then build a, a Switzerland. <laughs> but uh but no I, I really like I wish that I thought the entirety of the country could be brought together and like the United States as we know it as a whole could like be reinvigorated and like, you know, just what Vivek's saying, like, Oh, you know, star spangled red, white, and blue. I really, I wish that I thought that was possible. I just don't. Um, that doesn't mean I'm like super negative about the future of like my area or my state. Like I think Oklahoma is probably going to be okay. I think that Texas is probably going to be all right if they can, do something about all the weirdos that live in Austin. But, um, no, no, I think to, to that point, I don't think we can get comfortable around these areas because I no, think no, I don't, I, I'm I with hear you. Like I we hear need a lot of more that. involved, not like, I, I'm not saying step back and like, let it, let what happen. I'm saying like, seize the, seize the reins of your local government as much as you can. And your kind of like regional areas as much as you can politically, because that's the only way to like, weather the storm that's probably coming yeah i think like as in oklahoma in every single county if anybody that listens to this get start at your city board level start at your school board level and then as a combined force we can have some influence over the state because even down at the state school board meetings that i've listened into on over facebook and stuff like that there's a lot of these uh topics getting discussed with all the all the LGBTQ books and stuff getting spread around the the schools. And there are so many people from, like, the big city, from Tulsa, from Oklahoma City, that go to these things. And they are for all this crap, dude. They they think it's fine. They think uh, that all this type of uh, education should be getting pushed onto the little kids. Yeah. It's because 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they are pumped full of those talking points from everything they watch all the movies they watch, everybody they listen to, they all watch The View. It's like that's that's where they're... Of course they think that because that's what the people they listen to are telling them to think. Um, that's what when I, was, I talk about, the ideas making you who you are. But yeah, you're, you're right. Like you need to be involved. And I would say like if you are somebody who is serious about being involved in a local community... You do need to like look at the positions that there are and decide if like make smart decisions, right? Let's say let's say you are looking at a county uh and there's like a few positions open that are like, oh, you know, the sheriff's coming up and there's school board positions open. And there's a couple, three or four different people in these positions already. And you're looking at like, okay, which one of those positions should I take? Well, if you are looking at like, uh, let's say you're looking at the sheriff and the sheriff is like somebody who you think is pretty much like you and pretty much on the same page as you. And maybe you think that you would be maybe five or 10% more you know, better in your eyes for the county. But then there's somebody on the school board that you're looking at that you think you would be 100% better than they would be. 
well, obviously you should go take the school board position, right? You know what I mean? Like, don't uh, be smart and be strategic about what positions you target to to take. Does that that make sense, Ivan? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like for me, if any any politician here here's about as basic as it gets. Listen to this, Mr. Swami. I was born in 1985, and I grew up up into a generation where we were taught to celebrate our diversity and our differences so much that we forgot all of the ways we are really just the same as Americans, bound by a common set of ideals that set this nation into motion in 1776. And this is our moment to revive those common ideals. God is real. There are two genders. Fossil fuels are a requirement for human prosperity. Reverse racism is racism. An open border is not a border. Parents determine the education of their children. The nuclear family is the greatest form of governance known to man. Capitalism lifts us up from poverty. There are three branches of government, not four. And the U.S. Constitution, it is the strongest guarantor of freedom in human history. That is what won us the American Revolution. That is what will win us the revolution of 2024. Thanks for letting me introduce myself tonight. Thank you. I, I like that. Um, I don't think that's what won us the revolution. I think what won us okay. the revolution was killing people. Don't focus on that. My question is what I'm posing <laughs> to you is like, what about that message? Did you, uh, hold on, listen to this and then tell me, did you, did you feel threatened? No, but by that message, did a lot you of feel- people would. Okay. You know, like if I was on the left, if I was a leftist, everything he said is the opposite of what I believe. Look. Who's this guy? This was a CNN guy back in the day. I think he got kicked off. Oh, come on. Oh, is that Van Jones? That's Van Jones, yeah. Little known fact, he's related to Tom Jones, who wrote What's New Pussycat. Did you know that? I did not know that. I made that up. If we just acknowledge that it's difficult. No ethnic majority group in 10,000 years of human history that I could find ever went from being a majority to being a minority and liked it. And that's basically the request from the racial justice left, is that we want the white majority to go from being a majority to being a minority and like it. That's a tough request. And the reality is that change is hard. Change that you want is hard. Change that is good is hard. Asking the white majority to do something is difficult. Okay, that's not the clip that I was going to say, but that's just as outrageous as... What would you take from that right there? What, what he's saying? Yeah. Oh, he's he's uh, he's asking white people to be okay with not being the majority. Well, white people obviously are okay with being the minority if they're not going to have any kids. What would that be calling for? That comment and that statement here in the United States, whenever the what's the population of America uh, white people versus the rest? It's like seventy something. Not as much it? as it was. Like sixty, nah, seventy. Uh, it used to be seventy five. I don't know, a couple decades ago. It's a lot less now. Um, I don't know what it is. I, I would say it's probably like I would say it's probably around sixty. 
I don't know. I don't know though. <clears throat> but um but yeah, like that's that's the reason I don't think um what Vivek said is obvious like yes, that's what the conservative Republicans that's exactly he hit every single buzzword what they want to hear. Everything from beginning to end and the constitution and the revolution and reverse racism is racism and like he said all the exact right things. But if you're somebody on the left, everything he said is a threat and is horrible because it's all the exact opposite of what you believe. And this is what people on the right don't quite understand, and they need to start understanding it, is they think if they just explain their philosophy to someone that that person will, like, have a moment of, like, oh, yeah, that's all really great. Like, no, there's a lot of people who absolutely believe that uh, – capitalism is the greatest evil in the world. There's a whole bunch of people that absolutely believe that uh, you're a bad person or you're stupid if you believe in God. Like, there's just a lot of people out there that believe that. And conservatives don't want to think about it, and they don't, they don't really want to believe that because everybody wants to believe that we can all get together and hold hands and sing kumbaya and be the star-spangled red, white, and blue America from sea to shining sea, and uh, that's not the way of the. It's not the way of the world. Like nothing lasts forever, and the United States isn't going to last forever either. Culturally, it's already on life support if it's not already dead. Um, we aren't the we aren't the country we used to be. We aren't the people we used to be, and to. I know why everybody likes Vivek and I like Vivek and what he's saying too, but like, I don't know. My deal is like, we've got to stop telling ourselves that everybody's just like us and things like us. And everybody has these like good hearts and good intentions. No, like your, your interest and other people's interests are not the same. Like you're somebody who lives in Washington DC is not going to, have the same interests that you have. Like somebody in Washington, D.C. is going to be cool with making it illegal to eat beef and drive a pickup truck because they don't eat beef or drive a pickup truck. And so their thought is like, well, yeah, why should you? And people out here in rural America, like, I don't know why they can't quite wrap their yeah, heads but, around But the that. crazy thing about that is just like Newsom and Pelosi and all them, they'll still do that. It's, it'll be rules for thee and not for me. Right. They'll still be driving their pickups and they'll drive their, fly on their private jets and go back and forth and live it up when, you know, and yuck it up with all the, with all the rich, powerful folk. Mm-hmm. But who, it's kind of like gun laws or whatever. Who's going to follow those laws? Law abiding people. Criminals, go go ask the cartels in Mexico. Go ask the cartels in these big cities in Chicago and all these people, you know, uh, whether because the, 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 there's gun laws that they're not carrying their guns. Yeah. Yeah. You know? In Mexico, do you think the cartel follows the, the gun laws? In Mexico, it's illegal to have, uh, I think, more than a twenty two caliber. Uh, caliber. In rifle, you can't have, you can have a shotgun, you can have a twenty two caliber caliber rifle, think maybe one like deer rifle caliber and it's all bolt action and uh pistol wise uh you can only have a 38 caliber and i think 
only revolvers. How'd that work out for Mexico? Oh, yeah, yeah. With the crimes down. <laughs> <laughs> Crime and uh, abductions of, of females. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's down. Yeah, which, which is what makes me laugh about people in America who are like, yeah, we should pass those same kind of gun laws, and that would fix it. And then they point to countries that are like, uh, they'll point to like Iceland or or like uh, Finland and be like, oh, we should have gun laws like uh, Iceland has or gun laws like Canada has or any of these like um, much, much smaller, uh, much more, I don't know. I'm going to say much wider countries. <laughs> and they think that like, well, we could just pass the same laws here and it would be fine. It, then we would be like Iceland or Finland or wherever. It's like, no. Which uh, whenever like whenever Mexico, you say whenever because... you say wider, there's it, it's wider and some other things. Like that is one thing that I'll tell you like in America. <clears throat> we live in Mexico. We have a little town no bigger than our small town here. Uh in Mexico, our gate to our house is about 15 foot tall uh, to get to the backyard. Uh, all the houses, it's kind of like uh, kind of like downtown Beaver. All the houses are kind of right next to each other. There's no patios or yards or anything in between. It's just you, you have a little bit of an area in the back, and that's your backyard where you can pull in your cars. Uh, you don't leave cars out on the street in Mexico, in that little town. Uh all your skylights, everything has railing, like cemented and bolted, and then you submit around the bolts to where they're not exposed to where uh, a guy can't, you know, from the outside undo your bolts to get into a house. All the there's always two doors, and they are dead bolted, and the, any glass on the doors has a welded uh, pipe and things to where you cannot get into these houses unless you got a torch or a grinder. You can't get into it. Why, why so much when I were here in the U.S. and most places, uh, all you have is probably what? Maybe a little eighth to a quarter inch piece of glass keeping mm -hmm. you from really getting into somebody's house. And mm -hmm. we don't have the type of uh, crime or break-ins. Yeah, but There's, which here way in the do you US, think we're, we're headed, though? Do you think we're going to become more high trust of a society or less high trust of a society? That's That's really what I... What I meant to say was not like wider countries, but more high trust societies. It all depends on the laws. It depends on certain laws uh, on how, you know, handcuffed law enforcement can be. See, I, I, it does, it does count on the, like the laws a lot, but that's not the thing. Laws are not what create a high trust society like America, like rule America had in like the 1950s. Do you remember when we, when we were in school and um, I don't remember what class it was in. It might have been in Miss Melton's AP class uh, when we read the, gosh dang it, it's a Truman Capote book and it's about the murder of that family up in Kansas back in like the 50s. You remember that? No, I don't remember a whole oh, lot of high school. Oh man, well, in, in cold I blood. I wasn't paying the attention. Book's called, the book's called in cold, in cold Blood. And we read it in school and it was about in like the 1950s there was a terrible awful <clears throat> murder of an entire family in a tiny little farm 
up just north of Beaver, not too far. I forget what town in Kansas, but up in Kansas, and that was this was in the 50s. And it just shook the entire fabric of America, especially America in this part of the world, because all of a sudden the the high trust society was thrown into doubt. And what I'm what I'm saying to you is like that society didn't exist because of the system of laws that we had in place. It was because of the culture that we had in place and the types of people who populated your communities. If everybody in your community is like a upstanding, goes to church on Sunday, nonviolent, from a respectable family, if that's the vast majority of your community, you're going to have a high-trust society. The less and less it's like that, the less high-trust your society is going to be. And so the only way you could recapture a high-trust society with, um, let's say, lower-class, more violent people is your law system has to be super draconian, right? So like if if the penalty for stealing was getting your hand chopped off or if you if you killed somebody or raped somebody and they cut your head off and stuck it on a spear at the castle gate or you know or they put it on the lawn of the courthouse then you could maybe have a high trust society cuz people would be like oh I don't want to get my head chopped off but if that's not your system of laws then um then people that's why there's so much petty theft and stuff, even in Beaver County. That's why there's a whole bunch of people in Beaver County who just steal shit all the time. I think it was this one everybody, here. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Clutter family murders happened in the mid-50s or maybe the late 50s, I think. I think. Late, 1959. 1959, late 50s. Like and these two farmhands um, murdered this entire family just in cold blood. Um because they thought the guy had some money or something, but like killed all the kids, mom, dad, all the kids, um, murdered them all. And what's funny is like what you were saying about those communities in Mexico with the super high fences and bars on the wall, on the windows and all this stuff. Like in South Africa, if we remember when we were talking about South Africa, like that's how all those South African farms are built. Security systems, huge walls, bars on all the windows and it's because of stuff like stuff like this clutter family murder happens all the time. And what I think is a little bit, uh, I don't know, kind of ironic is if you go back a couple hundred years, what happened to the clutter family was super um, routine for this part of the world because you had the Comanches and the Kiowas running around doing the same type of stuff that those two dudes did know what i mean yeah, it turns out i think one of these guys worked for the for the old man yeah 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 i think the old man had told him that he kept a uh, safe with 10,000 which around today would equate to about $90,000 and then he told the guy had been in jail before and he had told his bunkmate uh about it and they began to plan the theft and i think those are the two guys there mm-hmm. Perry, and Perry Smith and Richard Hickok. 
Truman Capote wrote this book, but he wrote it like at the time, like right after it happened. And, um, he, he was this, you know, East coast gay journalist guy who was super progressive. And, and he even like towards the end of it, he was like trying to keep the one guy from getting the death penalty, which is, I don't know. Bon- he, he writes this whole book about this horrible, disgusting murder. And then he's like, yeah, I don't think they should kill this guy. Like, God damn, spare me. And that's, I mean, that's where we are in America. Everything's so feminine. Why do you think they can get away with putting up a, a satanic display at the, at the state house? It's because all the Christians have become so emasculated and feminized that they won't do anything about it. You think that would fly in Dearborn, Michigan? In the heart of America, in, in the heart of Islamic America? Well, honestly, it depends on the whole, uh, on the laws on that shit. Because they did that same, that the same group that's doing that did that in Oklahoma. Oklahoma used to have the Ten Commandments uh, statue outside the Capitol. And they made them uh, put a statue of Baphomet out there. And I think what they wound up doing to not, to combat it, to not have it there, they took away the, the Ten Commandments statue. We deserve everything we get because nobody has the balls to... But in that case, it's kind of like whenever we talked about that guy running around here with that damn camera stirring up a ruckus around here. Uh, he's more protected by the law. Yeah. So that's if you the, actually if you did go protect. take that, who's going to wind up in jail? You are. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So... And until somebody... Until we, like, grapple with that and, like, until we address that, you're not going to have anybody who's willing to put their neck out there because they know even if even if they're like the upstanding member of the community let's say that's in beaver you know they put that up in beaver and all of a sudden I go up there and tear it down who's going to throw me in jail it depends on what lawyer they get <laughs> no I, there, if there's you're anything you're still going to jail man you know what i mean like it's going to be the people you know it's going to be right, people you exactly. know and respect, and they're going to use the same thing that they always use. Well, I have to do this. It's You broke the law. You know what I mean? Yeah. The law isn't about what's right and wrong. The law is just about what's legal and written down on paper, and that's where we've gotten lost. Yeah, I agree. But like I said, you got to uh, – what I was getting to is that here – in the culture of the U.S., there is more of a basic, uh, at least in small-town America, because that's most of what I know. But even in big cities, for as big uh, like Oklahoma City and the places that most of the homes over there, you don't just have like an outrageous security uh, system out there. Maybe most people have their ring doorbell camera, a couple garage cameras, things like that. But still, for the ability... Uh, what they would have, like, compared to what they have in Mexico City, uh, even in Chihuahua, it, it's nothing compared to what it is over there. And just the basic uh, respect for private property, I think it's it's more uh, respected out here, or at least here in these for parts. Now. Of, for now. But still, as a culture, it still has a lot better, uh, like I said, than Mexico and probably other places. And even though they have the most, you know, strict gun laws, then which if you compare them to here, you know, it's the Wild West over here. Mm-hmm. It's wild, man. I, I don't, like I said, like I always say, I don't, I don't have all the answers. I just know that, like, 
people are going to have to start deciding like uh I'm surprised that you haven't had somebody go tear down that satanic monument and just take the take the punishment and willingly go to jail. Um, and I think it's I, I don't think it does Christianity in America any favors that there aren't people willing to do that. Um, I think that that doesn't say much for. Christianity in America if you're not willing to like if if people are quite literally um you know holding up Satan and worshiping Satan and throwing Satan in your face and you're not willing to do anything about it that just it, it's proof that the church in America has become so feminized and so emasculated that it's it's on its last like it's it's dying um, because nobody, there's no men willing to, to actually do anything about it. Because if they do, then everybody else, even the Christians are going to say, you can't do that. You're not supposed to do that. You know, that's, that's not what we do. That's not who we are. It's like, no. then you're going to lose and you're going to die and you're, you're, you're just done. You might as well get used to extinction because that's where you're headed. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of where that goes. But you want to get that other clip of uh, the Penn State? Yeah. Yeah, let's see that one. The Penn State deal. What was this Had you seen this yet? Uh-uh, I've not. Dr. Kornbluth, does M- at MIT, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate MIT's code of conduct or rules regarding bullying and harassment? Yes or no? They've targeted at individuals, not making public statements. Yes or no? Calling for the genocide of Jews does have, not constitute bullying and harassment? I have not heard calling for the genocide for Jews on our campus. But you've heard chants for intifada. I've heard chants, which can be anti-Semitic depending on the context, when calling for the elimination of the Jewish people. So those would not be according to the MIT's code of conduct or rules? That would be um, investigated of, as harassment if pervasive and severe. Ms. McGill, at Penn, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct? Yes or no? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. I am asking, specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. That is not bullying or harassment. This is the easiest question to answer yes, Ms. McGill. So is your if testimony it, that it, you will not answer yes? If it uh, is, if the yes speech or becomes, no. if the speech becomes conduct, it can be harassment, yes. Conduct meaning committing the act of genocide? The speech is not harassment? This is unacceptable, Ms. McGill. I'm going to give you one more opportunity for the world to see your answer. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's code of conduct when it comes to bullying and harassment? Yes or no? It can be harassment. The answer is yes. And Dr. Gay, at Harvard, 
Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment, yes or no? It can be, depending on the context. What's the context? Targeted as an individual, targeted as, at an individual. It's targeted at Jewish students, Jewish individuals. Do you understand your <laughs> testimony is dehumanizing them? Do you understand you that one single Jew? That's not okay. But if, if it's all, but, of but them. if it's all of them, you know. <laughs> wow. Oh, all it, the, it's cracking really. me up. You, you know, like a lot of people on the right, the big conspiracy on a lot of the far right is that like the Jews run the world, which eh, they run a lot of it. But I think what's kind of funny is like the last few weeks. I feel like is proof that the uh, the Jews are not quite as like pervasive and powerful as everybody kind of imagines they are because half of half of the United States uh, university system is is chanting "kill all the Jews" at this point, and um, if you know if the Jews actually ran the entire world and all the systems of higher learning, then that probably wouldn't be happening. Um, but I don't know. I, I think it's it's interesting. This is a very... The Palestinian-Israel conflict has been a very interesting thing to watch the, the left fight with itself to some extent um, because there are a lot of very progressive... Uh, like a lot of Jews in America are progressive leftist. And then all the people that are, you know, very hardline Palestinian supporters are hardline leftist. A lot of them are like the communist blue haired types. And it's kind of, I don't know. They, a lot of them are fighting themselves. You know what I mean? It's like the left fighting itself. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's just gotten so freaking ridiculous, man. There, there's the left extremists that go to that point that they can't say that because, you know, they are essentially a puppet, you know, yeah. of Me, a bigger corporation. Meanwhile, you of, can get kicked out of school like they'll they'll expel you from all those colleges that are up there that she's grilling about this would expel you in a heartbeat if you misgendered somebody. Well, you know what I mean? Anyways, if that, you purposely misgendered somebody, that uh, kick you out of school. Outstanding performance there in front of Congress uh, led to her resignation oh, from her position. She, that sure is sad. You pin President Liz McGill steps down after controversial testimony on anti-Semitism. Like, really, it was the easiest question to, to no, you know, or <laughs> yes, like, hey, it, uh, it is against the code of conduct. It's against the code of conduct. I mean, what? Way to go, guys. Good start. Let's shoot for more. (laughs) My God. And the thing is, all three of them, it wasn't just her, you know, all three of them. Well, they're smart. They they know the way the, they can, people who are really far into the leftist movement understand what they're supposed to say. But do you think it was what she was supposed to say? They got Uh, her fired. I mean, she had to get resigned. I think it was what she was supposed to say for the sake of her movement. I think that she got fired because it turns out what is was she the one from MIT or the one from Penn? No, she's for UPenn. She got fired probably because there's a whole bunch of Jewish people that are donors to Penn, would be my guess. 
I, that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, uh, Patrick Bet David. He's been saying that he's been talking to a lot of uh, Jewish businessmen that they usually support, uh, you know, left leaning causes, and that's what they say. Like even uh, uh, who was it? The guy that owns the Golden State Warriors is a Indian guy. He for the longest time, he's been a left leaning. He's voted let to the left. He said that he he can't. He can't after all this crap that's going on right now. He can't vote for for a left leaning candidate anymore. It's not the same uh, Democratic Party as you know there had been in the past. Uh, even Elon, Elon for the longest time, you know, uh, he'd been a left leaning person. Yeah. And how f- they have drove him to the right, you know, and he was probably maybe little left of center. But he wasn't this full-on free speech uh, uh, freedom fighter that he is now no. for the right. He was just a another kind of billionaire business dim, you know, like another not not Bill Gates because Bill Gates is a full-blown lizard, but that kind of same rubbing shoulders with the same kind of people. But yeah, I, I think that. Uh, the ones that are getting driven, it's not so much that they're getting driven to the Republican side. It's all of a sudden they're getting driven to the libertarians. Because there are, and Bill, Bill Maher is one of these, who is kind of a little bit libertarian, but um, has always been a Democrat, right? But a lot of them who... I don't want to say it's it's only the smart ones because that's not quite true, but it's the ones who can't really stomach hypocrisy as much as some of the other ones. Those are the ones that are all of a sudden your your Bill Mars and your uh, that other guy you just said, um, and your and your Elons and those are the kinds that are all of a sudden like can't stay on the left side anymore because of all the rampant hypocrisy and also like the the craziness the wackiness that's going on they just i don't know there's something about it that they can't quite stomach and so they they kind of move more to the libertarians yeah. which is good like i i i think that you could have a country with like uh if you had Republicans, you know, and your actual conservatives and you had some of your and you had a bunch of libertarians. And then um, even if you had kind of some of your old school Democrats, you can still have a country. You can still kind of have debates and and talk about stuff and discuss things. But you can't do that with the the people who are are marxist you can't do it with marxists because marxists don't believe in that marxists don't believe in debate marxists don't believe in compromise marxists believe in taking over the systems of power completely destroying the civilization destroying the culture and rebuilding it in the image of marxism that's why they tear down all the statues that's why they destroy all the statues that's why they destroy everything that is part of the history and heritage of the country because they want to rebuild it into their own, into their Marxist uh, 
image. I don't know, which is very satanic. Yeah, I think I think it's just wild how that how people. What I've noticed is uh, how people can hear same you know the same clip on things, and they completely hear something different. You know what I mean? And they take it take it in and process it so much different. I think it's I think it is all based on what your what your starting line is. And there's some very very simple kind of baselines that if you believe in that simple baseline it's going to inform the way you interpret and believe everything. And then the biggest one's religion, right? So if you believe in God, Everything that you're going to see, everything that you're going to interpret, everything that you're going to think about, you're going to think about from that baseline and through those, like looking through the lenses of that belief. Whereas if you're starting from a baseline of there is no God and the highest authority on in the universe is, is mankind and whoever has the government authority... If that's your baseline, you could be looking at the same thing that you or me is looking at and have a complete different interpretation of it. Because you're not you're looking through different glasses. You're seeing a different thing on the other side. Right? Well, we'll, we'll, it's leave, like a, we'll leave a libertarian it even in though, because there's looks so at much... the Satan statue and says what? I, I don't know. They're probably like, it's okay. Yeah, it's, it's, right? it's, it's, it's their right. Yeah, it's in the law. That, yeah, well, you know, they they have the same rights as you have, and you don't have a right to tell them they can't do that. And all this is made up anyway. What do you <coughs> care? Just ignore it, right? I mean, that's there's no other way to interpret it if you don't believe what you and me believe. No, Whereas but you that, and me that look all at falls it. in because of the whole separation of church and state, right? So if they have Christians are going to have one of their you know pieces displayed one of their monuments or whatever it is that they believe in, so can we. Right. And as for, you know, and that's not really according how, to the law, according to the law, that's how that's how they're getting away with that. Yeah. And people in the like the conservatives, the old school conservatives will tell you like and historians if they're honest, will tell you, well that's not what separation of church and state means or it's not what it was meant to mean. It was just supposed to mean that there shouldn't be an established church in America the same way that England had a state-sponsored church and Spain had a state-sponsored church and all those European countries had a church that the state was sponsored to. That's what that means. You can like it's still a Christian nation. We just we're not a Baptist nation, right? We're not a Catholic nation. Um, but that's what all the conservatives will say. That's not the truth anymore, though. Because the truth of separation of church and state is exactly what you just said. That's the way everybody looks at it, and that's the way everybody believes in it. So it doesn't matter if you believe that it's actually, you know, if you believe in it the same way the Founding Fathers did, that didn't make a shit. Nobody else does. You have to operate in the world you're living in, right? Yeah, and it's a world of man. That's mm-hmm. why the even if the, the Ten Commandments that they don't believe in, it, that's man's basic rule or god's basic rule for men to live in a you know in a man's world Mm -hmm. if it was okay to kill we would kill yeah you know we would take everything we wanted we do anyway even even when we know it's not okay right 
How much more so? Right. Yeah. Right. And that's why that's why I think that like I keep going back to this, and it makes me sound like a pessimist, but that's why we can't have a country the same way we used to anymore, because we aren't like we're not all. It's like everybody's sitting at a table and trying to agree on the most basic things and then build from there. We can't agree on the most basic things anymore because the most basic thing is like, okay, you, if you and me are sitting across from a table and we'll be like, okay, we both believe in God, right? Yes, we have some disagreements theologically, but we both believe these core tenets, right? Yes. Okay, so me and you could say, like, we could engage in commerce and we can be friends and we could like we could even send our kid to the same uh institutions run by either you or me and we would know that our kid is going to have the same beliefs instilled in them you know what i mean yeah whereas if you were sitting across the table from what's that Lu- Lucius, whatever the satanic yeah, guy it says, was, like Lucius Greaves. Yeah, or Lucius you're, Graves. you're sitting across from from Devil Man, and you're like, okay, I believe in God. What do you believe in? And he's like, I'm a Satanist. It's like, okay, well, we can't do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we we can't have a partnership. You, like, we're not we're not countrymen. We're enemies. You know what I mean? Right, but and still, on, on our at. force, we're not we're not there to do them harm or anything. We're not gonna come after them and hang them or try to do harm to them, because I don't think <laughs> we're not supposed I didn't say to. Nothing. We're not supposed. <laughs> we're not supposed to. No, but I think we can tear down all their statues and grind them into into that, dust. Like I said, and that's that's what people most people don't understand. A lot of people, Christianity, Christianity protects protects everybody that. Either they don't believe in Christianity or any other religion. Do I don't I don't know if other religions do that for Christianity. No, no, no. It's like in the Middle East. Like if you're a Christian in in Iraq or Iran or one of those countries, like you don't have the same rights as Muslims do. Whereas if you're somebody in a Christian, uh, a mainly Christian country, you do have the same rights that the that everybody else does, right? Um, but yeah, that's why everybody's freaking out. Like, um, another thing I saw this week is Rob Reiner's coming out with a movie that's like a anti-Christian nationalist movie. Did you see that this week? I did not. I have no idea see who if this you can, guy is. See, if, yeah, you know who Rob Reiner is. Okay, no. You, I promise that you've heard his name before at least. And he's got a new movie coming out? Yeah. It's Jesus a, Saves no, or God and Country? Uh, I don't remember what it's called, but it's a documentary about how dangerous Christian nationalism is. Yeah, Rob Reiner takes on Christian nationalism threat in God and Country trailer. Yeah. You want to see it? You want to play the trailer? You can if you want, or we can just talk about it. Um, but anyway, there's a there's a big pushback right now because there is a there is a political growing movement of Christians for Christian, you know, it's not really well defined. Here it goes. But Christian nationalism.
America and Christianity are like baseball and apple pie, and we celebrate them together. I was 16, 17 years old when I became a Christian. I'm an evangelical minister. I've been a Christian my whole life. I'm a Christian nationalist. I have nothing to be ashamed of because that's what most Americans are. Is Christian nationalism Christian? Um, no, it isn't. We should be blazing forth as a countercultural example, and instead, we're leading the charge of malice and division. Christian nationalism uses Christianity as a means to an end, that end being some form of authoritarianism. Being a Christian is about the values of inclusion. Christian nationalism is certainly not based on the values of the gospel. God wants America to be saved. They're okay, told over and over and over again that you're in danger. You need to fight if you pause don't want to lose your country. Right there. We are in a civil war. Pause it right there. Go back just a little bit. Right there. Okay. First of all, the lady said uh, Christianity is... If you were going to sum up your faith, Ivan, into like a a short little tagline, it's like, hey, what's, what's Christianity about? And she says Christianity is about inclusion. Do you think Christianity is really her God? Do you think do you think she worships Jesus, or does she worship the what we were calling the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age, the idea of like DEI and wokeism and inclusion and equity and that's anyways. But beyond that, this guy. Um, I remember this clip. This is wild that they put this in the trailer. Yeah, the whole inclusion, the kind of uh, the world world economic economic forum right. vision, the one like world, it's just a leftist the talking one point. world utopia type of deal that they think that they're gonna. Create. It's wild to me who that anybody who's a Christian would like take like, oh, I'm a Christian, so I believe in, and then use like one of the biggest buzzwords of leftism as like, oh. Christianity is about this. It's like, that's insane to me. Cause not only are you, I mean, you're blaspheming first off, right? Where's that part right here? Oh, this guy. No, that's Marjorie. Um, no, this it one? isn't. No, the guy that was getting, we arrested. should be blazing forth as a countercultural example. And instead we're leading Sorry, the charge of malice and division. Christian nationalism uses Christianity as a means to an end. This guy is. That end being some form of authoritarianism. Being a Christian is about the values of inclusion. Christian nationalism is certainly not based on the values of the gospel. God wants America to be saved. They're told over and over and over again that you're in danger. You need to fight if you don't want to lose your country. Boom. We are right. in a so civil that war guy. between good they're playing that clip of this guy getting arrested like, oh, look at this guy who was arrested because he thought he had to fight for Christian nationalism. This guy's a wingnut who bought into the lies of Christian nationalism, so he thought he had to be violent. That's the dude who got arrested because he went to that school board meeting because the school was trying to cover up the rape of his daughter by that tranny in the bathroom. That dude's daughter was raped by a tranny in the bathroom, and the school tried to cover it up and sweep it under the rug, 
And that guy went and caused a ruckus and they arrested him. And this movie is playing him in the trailer like, oh, look at this guy who's a victim of the Christian nationalist mindset of you have to fight. Like, of course you have to fight. He was doing like he's there because his daughter was raped and you're trying to cover it up because it doesn't look good for leftism because it was a little tranny kid that raped his daughter. And you're, you're making this guy the bad guy. That guy should have cut the tranny's head off. How about that? Like, I, I, I'm going to go off the rails if we keep going down. The, let's not play the rest of that trailer because I'm going to get too worked up. No, let's do it. That's whenever the show gets good. If you don't want to lose your country. We are in a civil war between good and evil. This is yes, not a movement are. about Christian values. This is about Christian power. What happens to the people who don't believe this stuff? We are on the precipice. God is on our side. We're taking our nation back. The thing that keeps me up at night is that we lose democracy. Does that seem possible? Yes. Christianity at its best is committed to love and truth and justice. If we do this right, what a country we will be. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised they didn't have some clip of Martin Luther King Jr. or some shit thrown in there. You know what I've decided? 2024 is going to be the year of, of Christian <laughs> nationalism. And I just became a Christian nationalist live on the show. PBD is calling it the year become, of chaos. I've decided to become a... You know what? I don't... I posted this on Twitter the other day. Like, I'm not a Christian nationalist because I don't think we should, the whole country can't be uh, brought together and you can't re retake the whole country for God because a large majority of the country doesn't believe in God. I'm a Christian confederate. I think we should have a confederation of Christian states, smaller states. Um, and we should have a, a confederation instead of a federation like we do now so the states can kind of oversee themselves. You know, maybe we'll have a Baptist state and maybe we'll have a Catholic state. And, you know, we, I would say maybe a Lutheran state, but the Lutheran church isn't having enough kids really to replace its own numbers right now. So that's another problem that we'll talk about in 2024. Um, but yeah, I, I'm a Christian nationalist now. <laughs> no. And what do we say? I think that's most of America now buying into that whole dink, uh, movement, isn't it? Yeah. You know what? I, Dual income, no kids. I try to be not too mad at the dinks because I was a dink for, for I don't know, a few years there with my wife. Like we, me and my wife, when we first got married, weren't really planning on having kids. So I can't be too mean to the dinks, but they're wrong. They're so wrong. It's so empty and, and pointless, the lives that they're leading and bragging about on the internet. Um, But yeah, I saw that trend, the dinks. Yeah, for me, it's just, uh, there's a time for it, I guess, uh, if you're not ready to have the kids yet, but I, don't make it a lifestyle. It's not cool or, you know. I want to know who they are before I tell them not to be a dink, because there are a whole bunch of people that uh, that I do think should be dinks. Um, Satanist, I think Satanists should be <laughs> dinks. Um, uh, communist, I think communists should be dinks. Vegans uh, should definitely 
be dinks. Um, so we're pro, anyone we're from pro the, dink in a way. Yeah, Washington, D.C., if you're a resident of Washington, D.C., you should be a dink. If you live within the city limits California, of, of Portland or San Francisco or Los Angeles, definitely you should be a dink. You know what? If you live within the within the city limits of any major city, you should be forced to be a dink. I think we should push for that legislation in those uh, yeah. states. I think dinkism, let's, you know, I I also agree with like the the crazy climate people now. Yeah, sure, let's make it illegal to have kids, but just for those people. Just for those people. Okay. <laughs> Tim for. Well, anything how else do we you win? Got? We win by having children. That's how you win. You win and you teach your children and you teach them well and you teach them how to how to navigate a world you did not grow up in because the world that they're going to inherit is uh, going to be filled with dinks and Satanists. And some Catholics and some Lutherans. Yeah, yeah, but we were not going to be the majority for, for a while but until all the dinks It's going to grow, died. goodness. Get get a little hope and optimism I, in hopeful. your life. I'm hopeful about our tribe, man. I'm hopeful about the tribe. And 2024. This thing's going to catch out like wildfire, all right? Yeah. If you're a listener to the show, like, I don't want you to be a dink. If you're a listener to the show, I want you to join the rev- the revolution, the revolution in our hearts, um, the the Christian nationalist revolution. <laughs> Goodness. Let's be Rob Reiner's worst nightmare, ladies and gentlemen. Are we are we past our time? Should we? We should are we at about an hour and a half right now. All right. So Let's play the outro music. What do you think, Ivan? Do you think the the Catholics, the Baptist, the Lutherans, um, and then some of the other ones? You think you think we can all come together, join or die style for the new Christian nationalist revolution? Uh, I think we will. I think we should. Uh, I, like I said, there's no there's no other place where I would want to go to start to retry this thing. You know? Yeah. It's always cheaper and it's uh, easier to to you know work on a standing foundation already instead of trying to build and buy something new. I agree. Let's build. So let's build the promised land right where we are. So hey, twenty twenty three was a great year. Twenty twenty four. Twenty twenty four is going to be even better. Even better. Yeah. Especially because my last book's going to be out. You're dropping it in twenty twenty four. Dropping it in, in the next uh, Christmas. Christmas book three drops. Don't forget to go buy that on Amazon. Hey, we might live stream that one. Yeah, do a book drop. We can just like live stream me pushing the button. Like, bloop. There you go. Well, okay. Okay, play the outro music. While the outro music plays, let's brainstorm some laws that we're gonna pass under our new Christian nationalist government. I think we should end no fault divorce. End no fault divorce. Yeah can't get divorced like if there's no fault like you can't just get divorced for no reason i anymore. i think if if you have no kids i don't i think that's a different situation okay see this is why we need each other no but fault I think, divorce but no illegal yeah. if you have kids but what yeah. else uh we're bringing back the sodomy laws <laughs> i am not up to date on that uh abortion is out no more abortion yeah, sorry out. folks me about the Disney thing. It if just you don't me like it, move to Canada, I guess, because this is going to be Christian nationalism land. Boy, we came up with some real, 
awful draconian laws. We'll think on it. See you next time on the Capo Podcast.